in a time when the world is searching for enlightenment. One man. I am His Holiness, the Guru Pitka. My goal is to get you to say, Gee, you are you. TM. He's in a position to help. Take a look at this. The Toronto Maple Leafs will pay you $2 million if you can get Darren Roanoke back with his wife in time to win the Stanley Cup. Give me a pound. Lock it down. Break the pickle. Tickle, tickle. <laughs> the second best guru in India is coming to America. How do you do? Shrimp? What would you call me? I'm sorry, I didn't catch your gnome. Name! You are a midget. Ain't no connection between my hockey and my love life. Ooh, you are not allowed to fight anyone for any reason. What the hell are you doing? Was that upsetting? Looks like I'm gonna have to shove these love beats someplace special. Nice hat. I had a hat like that once. Then my mom got a job. <laughs> <laughs> From Paramount Pictures. Rajneesh, I'd like an alligator soup and make it snappy. Because alligators are snappy, and at the same time, I want it prompt. Mike Myers. Saying I love you. Jessica Alba. Ow! Ow! So, Jane. Boyfriend? No. Nope. Girlfriend? Well, I mean, there was one time in college. Really? Huh? What was that? I didn't hear anything. Justin Timberlake. Did someone order the special Quebec pizza? Uh, you know, like in the porno. Looks like he's smuggling a schnauzer. The Love Guru. I'd like to thank the Academy. Wow, these things are heavy. Yeah. Put me down, jackass. Okay. <laughs> June 20th. Welcome to They Call This a Movie, testing the strength of friendships one terrible movie at a time. Subscribe to the podcast and iTunes on the podcast services by searching They Call This a Movie. We are part of the Main Damie Network. If you find more from us, check out the website at themaindamie.com or on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at the Main Damie. We are also now a proud member of Geek Vibes Nation. You can find them at gbnation.com. Welcome back to They Call This a Movie. This is Anthony Velvecchio, and with me, as always, is Dan Quan and Mark Myers. Say hello, gentlemen. Yo, what's going on, everybody? All right, before we get started, we have to check Dan for a sticky substance. So let's... Uh, <laughs> Dan, remove your hat, show us your oh, love. You your don't belt. know. You don't want to know where my sticky <laughs> substance is. <laughs> just need to. Just gotta check it. it this is a random check. Not gotcha. gonna... it, I got plenty of sticky stuff. It's gonna oh, play yeah. for uh, three of our fans. <laughs> <laughs> That's the, what all of my bits are meant for. The the, the <laughs> international people are gonna be like substance. Yeah. Sorry to our one listener in the Isle of Man. Well, yeah. no, he knows a lot about sticky substances there. <laughs> do, do you think... I want to say we mention our our fan from the Isle of Man quite often. Mm-hmm. Do you think they 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 probably get a kick out of it by now, I'd imagine. <laughs> or they just, like, subscribe to us and they don't listen to any of the shows anymore, so it just keeps <laughs> downloading. Oh, maybe. But I, yeah. I, I, I Keep hope doing it, warmer. though. Yeah. yeah. 
Oh, 100%. Please keep <laughs> downloading. But it just it cracks me up because that if it's that one person and they have to know that we're talking about them. <laughs> yes, if you're listening to this and you're listening to this on the Isle of Man, rest assured you're the one person that gets this podcast. So we're talking about you, and thank you for listening and continue listening, please. And give us a shout out. We're on Twitter, Facebook, yeah, and Instagram. Say cool. hey, I'm from the Isle of Man, and I listen to your show. You could just say that. <laughs> Message received. Yep. But before we get into this week's movie, which, man, if we could push that off forever, that'd be fine. Guys, what'd you watch this week? I actually, I went to a movie theater this weekend, and it was a lot of fun. But uh, the movie that I watched was it was not that much fun. I saw The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard, Okay. which is a mouthful. I, I don't know. I think... I never saw the first one, and I don't know if that matters so much. I feel like if it's a Ryan Reynolds movie, you really don't need to, right? You like you don't need to have context. Yeah. It's just Ryan Reynolds being Ryan Reynolds. It was okay. It had some decent action in it, some funny parts, but I think really just being in the theater helped a little bit. So I'm grading it on a curve. Sure. Uh, so I saw that, and then I I saw the worst movie I in a long time at least because we we'll talked about that. <laughs> that's later on <laughs> no th- honestly the movie that i watched this weekend makes the movie we're about to cover like a competent movie and i uh, it's on shutter it's psycho gorman was the movie not in focus that- <laughs> <laughs> no i it's it just man i don't know how to describe this movie so it, it it's a campy movie but it's just like really campy and it's just like it really hits you over the head with the camp mallet. And it's like, we get it. It's campy, but it, right. oh man, it's just, it doesn't stop winking at you. Mm. And the, the act, there's a, a female actress, a little girl who's every scene that she's in, it had to, they probably took the first take. And this is the perfect example. Remember in the Simpsons, when uh, a star is Burns, mm-hmm. when, when Burns, gets dragged by the horse yeah <laughs> and they said that was the we did we did like 100 takes and that was the best one it that's all this girl was we did 100 takes and every single scene she's in was the best one <laughs> it, it's really bad gotcha yeah i don't there are plenty of movies that i've seen that are like in on the joke that you're just like way too in on the joke yeah yeah so i get that so essentially the movie is about just real quick the movie is about a like a an interstellar despot who gets trapped by like an alien council these two kids find this gem that unleashed the alien and the girl basically owns the alien now because she has the gem and she makes the alien do stupid shit mm-hmm. like they, they go around the town and like they have a, like a dress montage and then they have like we're having fun montage but then it also like rips people's heads off it's just it's the Everything, the, the set design, the costume design, the acting, is all just really, really bad. And I think that's why it has, I, I was saying it had like the Love on a Leash cult attraction going. Sure. Where it has a 91% on Rotten Tomato. And mm. it has to be just basically like, this is really, really shitty. I love it. Gotcha. But that's it for me. <laughs> what about you, Mark? Did you watch anything this week? Yes, I did. Uh I am so glad that this podcast is recorded and released in the same week because this reference of the movies I watched would make no sense a week later. So I 
have started a rewatch of the entire Fast and Furious series. I've gone through three of them since I'm watching them in timeline order. It is The Fast and the Furious, Too Fast, Too Furious, and then Fast Ampersand Furious today. I got my 4K Blu-ray of all eight movies, so looking forward to getting through that. So yeah, still just as good, and I am looking forward to F9 on IMAX on Saturday. So. See, I, I knew this was going to be what you watched this week. I should have just skipped. Should have <laughs> skipped you. No, I'm curious. So... They're all in chronological order, are they not? Like, wait, so how does it go? So Tokyo Drift is, comes after the sixth movie. Wait, I am so confused. So Tokyo Drift is actually the number, is the first Fast and Furious movie? No, no, it's, it, would be, it would be the seventh movie, essentially, in, in, a, in a timeline. Because it goes one, two, and then they go to Tokyo Drift, and spoilers, I don't really care. But at the end of Tokyo Drift, Han dies. But in movies four, five, and six, Han is in it, so... That all took place before Tokyo Drift. Oh. And then, then you find out in Tokyo Drift that, uh, or you find out at the end of 6, that Han was killed by Jason Statham. And then he's the villain in 7. And then we are on a normal timeline from here on out. Man, that just blew my mind. It's, all that effort for that for that franchise. Yep. It, 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 has, it has become ridiculously anime Um, and probably has a lot to do with Vin Diesel probably being into anime. Essentially, the whole story behind the reason why the reboot and all happened was because he butted head with the studio because they wanted to take it to the, like, go-to-DVD route, like, straight-to-DVD, you know, sort of thing. But he had his whole idea for it, so he went and got his Producers Guild card and then came back and is the producer on the movies four through nine. (laughs) Make sure it went the way he wanted to. Because Vin Diesel is an egomaniac. Yeah, he's kind of a big baby. <laughs> yeah, it really depends on what side you fall on with him and The Rock in this series. I hate them both. Yeah, they kind of they kind of hate each other. There's the, I've said this before, and mo- many stars probably do this, but literally uh, no one can be taller than Vin Diesel on the poster. <laughs> so, <laughs> so anytime they have to shoot The Rock on the poster, they sort of have to skew it or like do far ground foreground background mm-hmm. and um and whenever they fight neither of them could win uh, it always so has to end in a draw that's like steven seagal right he can never lose mm-hmm. yeah 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 so i, I um, just I, i'm tired of the rock because, like whenever i see him it's just he's constantly working out and he's got all this awesome equipment and he but he like gives you that motivation like nothing can stop you and like just keep working hard like I want to work as hard as you rock. It's just I don't have what you have. <laughs> right. So I can't work as hard as you. Waking up he... at 4.30 in the morning is much different for you than it is for the rock, <laughs> right. who all he does is work out that day. Right. <laughs> I'm going to take right. a nap at noon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, his cheat day, like, yeah, look at my cheat day. And it's just a fucking, like, smorgasbord of food. And like, yeah, you know, this is what I do. To, I have to eat 5,000 calories. I can't afford that, Dwayne. Yeah. Okay? I'm sorry. Dan can't I, afford the time allotted for him to eat that food. No, that would that a cheat day on the rocks caliber in real time would take me <laughs> three days. <laughs> three days to eat. Maybe maybe more. Yeah. We've all seen you eat. It's bad. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm assuming Mark, that's all you watched this week. Yep, and I have the rest to go before saturday so you got plenty of time as for me i watched a few things i watched luca the new pixar movie 
it's just fine. For me, most of the Pixar movies are really enjoyable when I watch them, and then I'll never revisit them. Um, That's true. And this one is, like, average. It's fine. Tells a cute story, but it's going to be in a year from now, I'm not really going to remember it. Uh, Inside Out, is that Pixar or Disney? That's Pixar. Yep. Okay. Because I was just thinking the same thing. That was, like, one of my top five movies of that year. Yeah. And I've never gone back and watched. Nope. No, usually, I rarely revisit these movies. I always enjoy them when I see them in theaters, though. Like, they're great. But then I just don't care. I stop caring. I watched the the found or lost George A. Romero short film, The Amusement Park, which is on Shudder. And it's, I think the point of it is that you're supposed to feel bad for old people. But it just made me not want to get old and made me angrier at old people for not being able to live in society without tons of help. And plus, you know, the old people now are boomers and they fucked up the economy. So fuck them anyway. But in 1973 or whenever this movie came out, you know, it was like people that fought in, I don't know. I guess like World War One. <laughs> was, was it the Greatest Generation? I think it was even before that. It was like was the it? Silent Generation or something like that. It, they didn't name. They didn't have a name for that generation. Yeah. <laughs> it it was effective, I'll say, but I did not enjoy myself. It was short. It's short. It's only like an hour, so it's a little bit longer than you would expect the short film to be. But it's it's okay. Other than that, I rewatched Bo Burnham's Inside, and it's still not super funny, but the music is pretty great, and it might be the most interesting thing I've watched this year. In terms of how, like how? In terms of how he how he's dealing with the medium, he's kind of it feels like a short film more than it feels like a comedy special, and in that aspect, it's interesting. It's it's unique in that aspect, but uh, I think. What he has to say is pretty interesting. The songs that he that he says them in are pretty good, and it tells a pretty like interesting story of it could be really. I mean, obviously, it's coming from the perspective of someone that is a millionaire for all intents and purposes, and someone that's an entertainer for a living, living in a house for a year all by himself. But it's it's a it's a story that a lot of us dealt with in the past year. I mean, I think you know I'm fortunate. Uh, you know, I'm sharing a house with the person I love and Dan, you the same and Mark as well. You're living with family. Yeah. So that isolation isn't there, but there's plenty of people that dealt with isolation all this year. It's all about and he pokes. He shits on Jeff Bezos, which who doesn't love that? <laughs> and just capitalism and consumerism, all that kind of stuff and technology. But it's really interesting if you come if like I said a couple of weeks ago, if you're not looking at it from a I'm watching this to get my usual comedy hour and 10 minute comedy special laughs out of it, then I think there's something interesting there for you. Interesting. Other than that, I've also started watching Letterkenny. Letterkenny. That sounds very familiar. So Letterkenny is a show. I think it played somewhere else. Uh, it's because it's a Canadian show, but it's on Hulu and it's basically. It might be the dumbest show I've ever seen, but also pretty funny because it might be the dumbest show I've ever seen. It's about Canadian hicks, basically. They live in a small town called Letterkenny, and they all talk really weird. (laughs) Not like weird like you would expect Canadians to, but they all have their own kind of ways of speaking. And there's, there's the hicks, there's like the meth heads, and then there's like these two doofus hockey players 
It's really weird. It's really hard to describe without like sitting you down and watching it. Is it anything like Trailer Park Boys? I guess there's some Canadian-ness to it that feels similar. Yeah, I okay. can say that, yeah. Because I like that show. That yeah, was a pretty I think, fun show. I think Trailer Park Boys is... I mean, I was going to say Trailer Park Boys is a little more broad, but they have an entire episode of Letter Kenny where they invent a Facebook for your farts. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so like we're just we're just like going off the rails with this. Yeah. They yeah. did an entire social network type episode where they are trying to create a Facebook where you could catalog your farts and share farts with your friends. Uh, that that <laughs> does sound like where we're headed with the medium. And then they get they get into like a fight, like a all out brawl with other people, like basically once per episode. Okay. <laughs> like this guy, the the main character is supposed to be the toughest guy in town, and everyone always try and challenge him to it, and then he just like just quickly d- sh- beats the shit out of them and goes on with his day. So he is the toughest character, <laughs> basically. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I w- see. That's not what you would expect from a comedy, right? Like this yeah. guy who thinks he's the toughest, and then usually he just gets fucking. It's like Johnny Bravo. Sure. Yeah. No, this is it's a weird one. I'm enjoying it though. The the cast is pretty funny. The chick in it is like super hot, so that's always good too. Yeah, that doesn't that <laughs> that never hurts. But yeah, if you're into if you're into weird comedy, check out Letterkenny. It's so like I can't even describe it. It's just odd. It's really one of the oddest things. <laughs> and I think that's all I watched. Yeah. Yep, that's it. Yeah. Besides this piece of shit movie that we watched. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, uh, it's not that bad. <laughs> if you if that's your that's what you come away with, man. But before we do that, we are going to take a quick break and listen to some ads so we can pay those bills. And we'll be right back. And welcome back. And now it's time to get into this week's movie. And this week, Dan chose violence. So, Dan, mm. why don't you tell us what movie you picked? All right. So this week, I panicked. I panicked and I <laughs> I apologize. I was under the gun and I, I was just kind of scrolling through. And my brain just said, that one. And the one that it picked was the 2008 masterpiece, <laughs> The Love Guru, starring one Mike Myers. Have you seen this before? No. This was my first time watching it. Okay. I, I think I would be more worried if the answer was yes well, to that question. we all accidentally see a movie that we don't like. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, Once. I, I, I do have family that have watched this movie, uh, I think, more than once. So, I mean, it's definitely possible that I would have seen it with family members, possibly, but... No, I think this movie definitely, its reputation preceded itself, sure. so I was able to steer clear of it. All right. Well, what would you think of The Love Guru? Horrible. All types of horrible. <laughs> um, I, I think it, it looked like everyone on this set was like held at gunpoint to laugh, except for Justin Timberlake, who looked like he was really enjoying himself. And with everything that's kind of come out about him... It makes little sense because <laughs> he's really kind of a dick in this. And I think he kind of got off on it. Like, yeah, I could just be a fucking asshole here. Sure. Yeah, this movie aged. I mean, it, it aged horribly like the weekend it came out. But yeah. <laughs> and like a lot of things that were said, just it they don't translate well to today's time. <laughs> Didn't translate well to 2008 no. either. <laughs> like, that, and I think... Mike Myers definitely 
man, he went for all the low-hanging fruit in this mm-hmm. movie. Any, like, grade school humor joke he could make, he put it in here. And, yeah, it was, excuse me, yeah, it was just, everything's a crutch. All the jokes land really flat, but I did chuckle once. And I, like, I caught myself chuckling. You know what? I'm like, oh, wait, did I just do that? Like, what's the matter? But it wasn't at anything Mike Myers did. What was it? It was at the beginning with Stephen Colbert and Jim Gaffigan as the hockey announcers. Mm-hmm. And, I, like, I didn't know what their shtick was yet. So it was, you know, Stephen Colbert is kind of going off on this really, like, drug-addled rant. And Gaffigan's just staring at him. But then breaks right back into the game. I was like, oh, okay. I, like, I just chuckled a little bit. Yeah. Like, oh, shit. Like, oh, no. <laughs> That's not a good sign of things to come, I think. But, yeah, after that, I'm I'm, I'm happy to say no laughs. <laughs> Mark, what about you? Yeah, so I'll, I'll, before I get into my point, I'll feed off Dan's thing. I think, uh, I think Colbert's stuff was the only stuff that made me chuckle. Just because he kind of got it as a ridiculous hockey commentator. I think I laughed at the Kelestrator joke just because that would be a stupid gimmick that a Canadian hockey broadcast would use to name the the Telestrator after the guy doing it. So that just made me chuckle. Everything else about the hockey was utterly ridiculous and made me, as a hockey fan, want to pull my hair out at multiple points, especially when you know players and the sheer fact that they had legendary Hall of Fame defenseman Rob Blake take a face off um, I, in this game. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> I was like, man, I was, I'm pretty sure. I'm like, I'm not the biggest hockey fan, but I'm pretty sure Rob Blake was a D guy. <laughs> I was just also, like, I know why they did it, because he yeah. was the only recognizable face on the Kings at the time. And since they were shooting in L.A., they had to use the Kings. But right. that being said, this movie, it I was out like the opening song, like mm. literally the opening moments of this movie. I'm like, oh, fuck, this isn't. This isn't going to be even like a, oh, it was terrible, but, you know, it wasn't that bad. No, every each joke upon each joke just kept getting worse. And I found out the trivia that this was supposed to be a character in Austin Powers. And Supposedly they cut it. a gold member. Or a gold member, yeah. They cut it at the last minute, which may have been a sign to Mike Myers that in that movie, which gold member was way over the top in terms of Austin Powers stuff, that they, they were like, you know what? We don't need that character. Like, uh, yeah, you know, you know, that might have been a hint. But I think this was Mike Myers writing, you know, the idea, whether it was believable or not in 2008, that anything he put on screen could do no wrong. Mm-hmm. And he thought and just thought any joke he wrote was was fantastic or performed. I felt bad. It was amazing. I don't know if feel bad because they all got a paycheck. But how many actual, like, people that are currently like well-known people were in this movie even for cameos like i mean no matter what you feel about them the fact that the you know the factoid that this was the only movie daniel tosh has ever been credited in Mm -hmm. is kind of amazing (laughs) (laughs) that he didn't have a cameo in any other movie or any other time he just he just plays a guy that gets in a bar fight in this movie and yeah it it was real bad and i didn't I didn't laugh out loud once. Like I said, the, the Gaffigan Colbert stuff was the only thing that, that gave me an even like a, huh, huh, you know, sort of reaction to something. I think every joke was either way too telegraphed or was like the most low-hanging fruit you could do. Yeah, especially especially the Vern Troyer stuff. 
And speaking of low hanging fruit, fruit, am I right, yeah, guys? Yeah, we go. Hey, <laughs> we could do um, it too. Yeah, and it and to be honest, it kind of feels like Jessica Alba's in this movie, and she was like the fifth choice for this role. I don't know who else would have been the other choices, but with all the other actors around this movie, it felt like somebody Mike Myers usually gets in a movie backed out, mm-hmm. and Alba's agent went, a "Mike Myers movie, let's get her in there." Right. You know, and it just didn't didn't work out at all. But yeah, Dan, I don't know. We got to give you more time. We can't, we can't put you <laughs> under the gun anymore. <laughs> well, I mean, I forget what the other movie I had picked. It was between this and another be better movie. Better than this movie, I can. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't. I can't remember. <laughs> but this just seemed like the obvious choice. And uh, yeah, I mean, for what we for what we're doing here, um, I'm happy with it. Because sure. I I don't I don't know of many people who who really talk about this movie anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, I f- I feel like this kind of goes hand in hand with almost like uh what's the the Dana Carnum Dana Dana Carvey movie Master of Disguise. Yes, it's Dana Carvey, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I don't know why I couldn't think of it, but yeah, Master of Disguise. But yeah, I, for some reason I think like I feel like this gets a little bit of a pass. I don't know why. Maybe it's just people have erased it from the collective subconscious. Maybe. <laughs> but I, you know, I was watching this movie and I was just thinking, I was like, why didn't the guy who wrote the problem with a poo just go after Mike Myers here? <laughs> like this is, is a thousand times worse than what a poo did. It is the most cultural appreciation that appropriation. Sorry. Appropriation. Appropriation. Cultural appropriation that I have seen in a movie. In a very, very long time, like down yeah, everything um, about Myers's character in this. I'm is... amazed. I'm amazed they showed restraint in not putting him in brownface. Yes. That is. Yeah. That is the one that one positive yeah. I could say about this movie is like, yeah. well, you guys didn't do that. Right. Yeah. And like, every joke is just played ad nauseum. And yeah. like the, the Mariska Hargitay thing, like holy, you, you say it so much. Right. Just for yeah. that one line is it like that one scene where mariska hargitay actually shows up right and then but, you should end the joke there yes and then That's you the keep doing line. it yeah you didn't have to another do the, 70 minutes you didn't yes. have to do the law and order joke right after no I, and again that's but that's what we mean by like the the low-hanging fruit like oh yeah. get it mariska hargitay's on special victims unit we gotta you know really hit you over the head with it yeah and like again like ben kingsley we know he played Gandhi in the in the movie Gandhi, but holy shit, man! Like you just like you took that and just erased everything with this with with this portrayal. Like wow, tugging my puda, right? Yeah. Oh, it it just makes me feel dirty saying it. Yeah. This movie is relentless with it how is. many jokes it throws at you that don't land. Yeah. Just all the names have to be a joke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's constant. It, yeah. It's a barrage of jokes. And yeah. I, was this the movie that really kind of ended it for Myers? Or, Pretty wait, much. This, this came out after Cat in the Hat, right? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, like this was definitely the the nail in the coffin, as it should have been. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. I'm su- a bad, bad movie. Yeah. I'm surprised that two guys got late night shows after this movie. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> the one person that didn't survive this, Romani Melko. <laughs> uh, and, and even even Daniel Tosh got a long-standing series. <laughs> yep. Yeah. 
Oh, man. Jessica Alba, no one knew what to do with her in the 2000s. She's here to do nothing. She's a pretty face. Yeah. She literally does nothing the entire time. And this could basically, she could basically be playing the same character from Good Luck Chuck. Yeah, essentially. She's, she's cursed in this one. The other one, she was just a giant klutz, right? Well, it was, oh yeah, Dane Cook was cursed. Yeah. 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 yeah her, her whole point in this movie was just to make the chastity belt joke. Yep, yeah, pretty much. Times. Yeah. Uh, and... Yeah, they do the whole CGI face, right? They they put Mike Myers. Oh, that CGI'd. made me so mad. Like, why? Like, you you have the other kid who's just a normal kid. Why can't you just have Mike Myers in kid form? Yeah. And it, you know, like, why do you need his face on there? It's just I've never seen so many jokes just not land. Mm-hmm. And Mike Myers is a funny guy. Yeah. Right. I mean, he. He's come out with some fantastic comedy movies, and just to, to see him flail repeatedly, yeah, it's sad. It, it, was, it was this movie was just like really sad. This is secondhand embarrassment. Yeah, just, oh, big time. Just yeah. throughout. It, it felt like I gotta say, someone that felt he could do no wrong within his jokes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, everybody always laughs at my jokes. What's even more pathetic is that his character laughs at his own jokes the entire movie. And it just, (laughs) you're feeling like Mike Myers is doing that because he feels, he feels you like 12 months prior when he shot this. He feels you not laughing. (laughs) (laughs) He looks forward, he looks into the future and sees no laughter, just a barren wasteland. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, that's why I mean, like, it feels like everyone's held a gunpoint in this movie because like when he makes a joke he laughs and then the character the actor that he's working with gives like a very timid laugh mm-hmm. like oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah, that's hilarious <laughs> and uh it, it's i don't even remember the plot of this movie <laughs> i i can't imagine i was trying to sit here and think like if we saw this in a theater would it have been people laughing because they thought they had to laugh because it was a Mike Myers movie, or would it have been dead silence? I don't I no know. Yeah, I, don't I know. think you're gonna get those the like the the older audience, maybe in their fifties, who are like they don't know any better, you know? <laughs> like, oh yeah, Mike Myers is funny, and I've laughed at him before, and I don't care about these racial undertones. But yeah, this is funny. I could see like it's slapstick humor, you know, and it's just a silly time. But most, I would say 95% of the audience probably knows better. And like, hey, this, I I know this is a comedy movie. Like my brain is, my brain recognizes I'm in a comedy movie, mm-hmm. but it's just not, nothing is, nothing is landing and making me laugh. Yep. And this movie just reinforces what I've always hated about Justin Timberlake. Everybody always always loved him on Saturday Night Live. I think he's just so hilarious. But there's no humility. The no. joke, his character's joke in this movie, is that he has a big dick. It's like, <laughs> oh yeah, right. Well, I'll be as goofy as I can be, but as long as people know that I have a big cock, right. then and I'll. <laughs> in every movie, it's it's basically like he's a woman's man or a, a yeah. lady's man. Yeah. Right in a what was it bad teacher? Mm-hmm. Right, it's like every female teacher wants to bang him. I was like, you're right. He has no humility. Nope. 
And, and that always came through for me on SNL. Every time people was like, oh, he's got such great comedic timing. It was like, but where's where's the humility? Where where <laughs> make an ass of himself once? That's true. He he always looks good, even if it's supposed to not be looking good. Right. And he's, he's never he the butt does... of the he's never the butt of the joke. Yes. Like SNL, his biggest thing was dick in a box. That's not a that's he's not, you know, yeah. falling on that comedic sword, basically. No. He even he dressed up as like like a giant tofu or something like that, mm-hmm. and like they still made him look good. Yeah. And yeah. He was like he was yeah he, like he was the 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 star of it. So yeah, that's that's a good point. I never really noticed. I never really noticed that he he he's never the butt of the joke. Mm. Yeah. And on the flip side, a guy like Peyton Manning, you know, goes to be the butt of the joke of just being the whitest guy in the room. <laughs> yeah. On on all his skits. He plays yeah, to his strengths. Doesn't mind being laughed at for that. Right. Yeah. You, yeah. you got to be able to poke fun at yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because yeah, even even when he's being his goofiest, he's not here. It's not because he's he's a butt of a joke. He's just oh, he's a French Canadian stereotype. Isn't that hilarious? <laughs> right. I'm making fun of French Canadians, guys. You're not laughing at me. You're laughing with me. Right. Right. Yeah. It's oh, it's so. And it, like, again, like it's not even creative jokes for him. Like, no. oh well, Celine Dion is Canadian. Let's put her in there, and that's like that's the joke, really. Yep. You know, like that, that's really his one. He mentions Celine Dion a few times. Yep. Yeah. That's kind of yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, and all the jokes revolving around him have something to do with cocks. Right. Yeah. He has, a, just uh, he has enormous dick and a security right. rooster. Yep. You yeah. know. And, and the, the the I guess I what I noticed was oh I guess it's like a role reversal where the white guy is kind of putting it to the black guy's wife and he has the big dick not mm-hmm. the black guy is I don't I don't know if I want to give this movie that kind of credit or if it was just being like potty humor you know right they just wanted to make the laycock joke I guess yeah you're you're probably right <laughs> yeah. So The Love Guru, directed by Marco Schnabel, is the only directing credit. Good. <laughs> Stars Mike Myers, Jessica Alba, Romani Malco, Vern Troyer, Justin Timberlake, John Oliver, Ben Kingsley, Stephen Colbert, Megan Good, John Oliver, I put it in twice, and Jim Gaffigan. IMDb score of 3.8 and a Rotten Tomato score of 14%. Budget, $62 million. This movie costs box office of $40 million. Mm. Wow. Even with, the, I mean, that's a pretty low budget. Yeah, I mean. comedy, maybe not. I think that's about standard for a comedy. We were talking off this podcast, and relative to budget, this might be the worst movie that we've we've covered right love yeah. on the leash was made for five dollars and maybe a can of beans <laughs> right. uh, but this movie cost a good amount of money you know yeah. like and, you can't and, even say like you know the first twilight movie only cost 30 million dollars and <laughs> i think what and mark touched on this the disappointing part is just the, the comedic talent that yeah. is a part of this movie and uh, I don't know. I think this movie was just failed from the get go. It sounds like it It feels like. Yeah. Everybody that is somebody in this movie is a face you've seen. Even mm-hmm. Rob Hubel is the other guy in the bar fight. He has zero lines. Yeah, but he just kind of like laughs. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot, a lot of people that should know better. Yeah. Shame on everybody. Yeah. And as useless as uh, Jessica Alba is in this movie, Megan Good is a more useless. Yeah. In this 
Yep, pretty much. Yeah, the, the, the women in this movie serve no purpose, purpose other than just being pretty much just like they a, a love interest, right? They, yeah. There is no arc, so mm-hmm. to speak. I mean, uh, this, is, this is not anything new. We've seen this from time to time with these com- comedy movies. Remember Jack and Jill, how mm. useless and underutilized Katie Holmes was in that movie? Uh, yeah, yeah she, like, she might as well have not even been there. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think... I don't know. It, it, it's always one of those things where you see it, it's like it's tough to watch a a guy that you really enjoyed really fall on his face. Mm-hmm. You know, Cause Mike Myers has always kind of been he was very inoffensive. Right. He yeah. he never really all of his all of his humor was very it was family friendly. And, it, you know, he, he was good at it mm-hmm. like on Saturday Night Live, Wayne's World. So I married an axe murderer. I, I like those movies. But then all of a sudden, like you just you see this, and wow, man, like this guy, he just couldn't keep up with the times. It yeah. felt like. I think that's not uncommon for these guys, though. There seems to be a, a specific shelf life for guys that, for comedic actors that like, especially guys that come off of Saturday Night Live, mm-hmm. like they hit a certain time, and it's just I don't know. Before your very eyes, the the world has passed them by like Will Ferrell. Yeah. Like he hasn't, he wasn't doing anything that couldn't fly nowadays. Right. Sure. He was more or less same like Mike Myers, you know, and he's not necessarily family friendly with stuff like uh, old school or, you know, Anchorman is probably not for 12 year olds, but that's relatively wide audience humor. That's yeah. not like, it was like, Oh shit, man. He, he used racial slurs in all his movies or something like that. Yeah, it's, right. like, it's humor that could still carry over, but like for whatever reason, they hit a wall where it's just, it's, you do not work anymore. Well, does this make you guys kind of, does it give you a little bit more, what's the word, like appreciation or like Adam Sandler? Does that make you kind of appreciate what he's done? Because he's kind of like withstood the test of time. His movies are not listen. They're they're not comedy gold, but he kind of sticks true to himself. And I mean, like Uncut Gems, he, he turned in a good performance. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think Uncut Gems, I think is is the example of like why are you wasting your why are you so lazy with every other output that you do? Yes. Yeah, I don't know because he's getting so much money and he's just churning out shit. Mm-hmm. It's a different beast because he is doing the same stuff, but Will Ferrell's doing the same stuff and it's just not hitting. It's I mean, I haven't I haven't liked an Adam Sandler movie in close to 20 years at this point, really. Sure. So, I don't, yeah. so sure, he keeps doing movies, but I haven't liked them. It's like The Simpsons. The Simpsons have been on for 31 years. I haven't liked them in 20 years. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, and I think at least Adam Sandler, when he does his movies now, but he like he he evolved with the times, essentially. Like he, I feel like you not, haven't watched the wrong Missy. I haven't. Yeah. And that wasn't even his movie. That was a David Spade movie, but that was Happy Madison. I feel like okay. you need to watch the wrong Missy and, and come come across with some like an Adam Sandler conversation. OK, yeah, maybe, maybe that's but like I watch. <laughs> what, what was it? Hubie Halloween. And it was okay. just like, it's terrible. Don't get me wrong. It's freaking awful. But it's, again, there's like, there's no like homophobic jokes. There's no <laughs> racial jokes. It's just, it's just very family friendly. So that's, that's what I mean by it. Like he's not, 
when like when he was doing Happy Gilmore and Big Daddy and you know Billy Madison, where you probably couldn't do a whole lot of. Well, you could probably still do some of it, but you you know those those movies were not really for this time, I would mm-hmm. say. But that's that's what I mean. Like he's kind of evolved with that aspect. Like, all right, well, I, I can't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. So, I'll, but Mike Myers just kind of he went the opposite way. Yeah, I don't know. I think I feel like this was a definitive death rattle. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, like, we it, it stopped time. here. It yeah. was it wasn't like Will Ferrell does like Anchorman two, and then he has like a couple others like The House. Remember that and Holmes oh, and Watson. It was like and it like slowly diminishing returns with each one of them this is like clear like you made this and then bam you better hope quentin tarantino calls for some cameos in his movies <laughs> yeah oh yeah that's uh you're right because like i said we, we watched in real time his career just like stop yep and like again simpsons reference you can pinpoint the second when his career breaks <laughs> and it's just, this movie just just to drive home this point more i pulled up his imdb and he's literally since 2008 only made four things that were not shrek related <laughs> and one of them is inglorious bastards <laughs> yes yeah uh and and the other one uh a fifth one would be uh madonna um thing that she put out a collection of her music videos and he's in austin powers and but besides oh, right. that it's a yeah. uh, shrek schwan uh, Jesus, Shrek Swamp, Shrek at Forever After, Scared Shrekless, Donkey's Christmas Shrektacular, Shrek Shrek Those were f- four movies in a row, by the way. There was no break up there. Then he did something called Oscar Etiquette, where he played Sir Cecil Worthington. I don't know what that was. Yeah, it was probably then, like a short that played during the Oscars or something. Yeah. Then Shrek's Thrilling Tales. Then for some reason he hosted Saturday Night Live or appeared on Saturday Night Live. And then he did Terminal. And then he was in Bohemian Rhapsody. Man. He's got Austin Powers 4 coming out, though. Yeah. Announced. Oh, no, really? But that was, yeah. <sighs> I didn't realize that until we started talking about it, and I pulled up the IMDb, that he has basically just been playing Shrek for 13 <laughs> yeah. years. <laughs> Man, I, I don't know if we're ready for... I don't know if there's a need for Austin Powers again. Like, he... That, that character... Was an early 2000s, right? Was that late 90s or early 2000s? I think, I think it was the like first early one came 2000s. out in 97. 97. Really? Oh shit! Like that's a long time ago, man. We don't we don't need another Dumb and Dumber kind of thing here. Nope. Those never they never work. No, never it, work. it it doesn't. It had Austin Powers had his time. Mm-hmm. He had arguably two good movies. Yeah. Arguably, I think the first one is great. I love the first one. Yeah. First one's great. Second one is very good too. Yeah. I do not I, like the third. No, the third one is hot garbage. Yeah. Uh, and again, I, I think that's when you stop. Yep. Just you you let that character go into the annals of history of movie history. People still quote him. Yep. Terribly, but <laughs> it, it's he's a part of pop culture. So don't 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 bring him back. You don't need it. We don't need him anymore. He did his need, part. You don't need him to go find the crystal skull. <laughs> exactly. <saying>. Yes. <laughs> and then come back for one more too. Yeah. Oh, I know. <laughs> Harry <right>. Ford. <laughs> do, you on, guys want, do you guys want to get into the plot? Yeah. I guess. Of. Right. <laughs> That's what we do. We'll probably get through it quick. Uh, Dan, what do you got for us? This All right. Uh, yeah, real quick. Just going to give a shout out to uh, our good friends at the top 10 with Tia, Tia and Brittany. 
they host a weekly podcast called The Top Ten, and it's a list of good stuff on there, uh, like a bunch of varying topics from TVs to movie TVs. They don't do top ten TVs. It's TV well, now shows. they should. Yeah, Panasonic, <laughs> Sony. Here's an idea for you, Tia. <laughs> yeah. uh, top yeah. 10 TVs in TV and film. Ooh, that's a pretty good one. Too. <laughs> well, I don't know. Like, I just know The Simpsons. The TV from Stay Tuned because it was yellow. Yes, that, that would be. <laughs> it stands out. Uh, yeah, so it's a weekly podcast where Tia and her friend Brittany do top 10 lists. So uh, they have a bunch of great stuff on there. Go give them a listen, follow, download, rate and review, all that good stuff. You can follow her at TC underscore Stark on Twitter. Uh, I'm going to butcher Britney's. I think it's itty bitty Brit at, uh, on Twitter. And Tia also writes for Geek Vibes Nation with whom we are uh, associated with. Okay, great. And we are going to take a quick break and you guys are going to listen to some messages from Friends of the Podcast. So we will be right back. Hey, this is Ken M. Padawan J. Coach Duffy. From the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour Podcast. Every week, the ODPH is talking sports, movies, TV, comics, and more. It's always a parlay of topics on each episode. You can find the ODPH on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, and wherever you find great podcasts, such as the one you're listening to right now. Don't forget to check out OchoDuroParlayHour.com, where you can find the links to all of the ODPH social media accounts, links to the bands whose music you hear each week on the show, hashtag 607 podcast info, and parlay points are our companion block section of the show. Thanks for listening to the ODPH. Now get back to your regularly scheduled podcast. Welcome, travelers. Seems like you're looking for a story. Well, I got one for you. It involves adventure, friendship, and all hey, sorts hey, of... Hey, uh, Earl, why don't you tell him about that time I stole that big-ass melon? Yeah, yeah, I, I was going for more... Or you could tell him about the time I kicked your ass, Earl. I wouldn't ever tell him Do I need to get time. my ref gear on? Okay, everyone, shut up. Now come with me. As I tell you a story from afar. Hey everybody, my name's David. I'm the DM for From Afar Podcast. A From Afar Podcast is all about four friends separated by distance, brought together by adventure. Hope you all stop by and give us a listen. Thanks. And welcome back, and now it's time to get into Plot for the Love Guru. We open on the village of Heron McKeister. Get it? <laughs> <sighs> well, luckily, that's the only joke, like, that way, you know? Mm-hmm. So we get it out of the way early. No more weird, funny names in this movie. Yep. And our love guru, Pitka, does a voiceover using a voiceover machine that makes his voice sound like Morgan Freeman. He's here to tell us oh, about boy. his voice. I didn't even realize that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not even, so I was trying to find Morgan Freeman in the cast to see if it was like a sound-alike or Morgan Freeman, but I couldn't find it. It was probably him. Uh, he's here to tell us about his most difficult case as a love guru. There's a hockey player named Darren Roanoke from the Toronto Maple Leafs. And also to drop the fact that he's actually an American that was raised in India, so that's convenient. Um, we cut to Stephen Colbert and Jim Gaffigan playing sports broadcasters discussing Darren Roanoke. Roanoke is played by Romani Malco, which dates this movie quite a bit. Uh, Roanoke was sort of the face of the NFL, uh, NHL playing for the Maple Leafs. He brought hockey to the inner city, he had a perfect marriage, but then decided he wanted to go bang supermodels, as one does. And his ex-wife winds up dating a goalie by the name of Jacques Lecoq Grande, played by Justin Timberlake, unfortunately. And he's got a big <laughs> dick. So now Roanoke has the yips. 
Then Jessica Alba plays the daughter of the late owner, so now is the owner of the Leafs. She hires oh. Guru Pitka to help Roanoke deal with his issues. And then we cut to India, and we roll credits as Pitka sings 9 to 5. You know, that anti-capitalism anthem that has no bearing on this movie whatsoever. And is also sung famously by a woman. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I didn't understand <laughs> this music choice. Yeah. Sullying the good name of Dolly Parton. Yeah. Hope she got paid. I'm sure she did. Oh, yeah. She'll be fine. It, she she made it out of this movie unscathed. Yeah, she uh, she got paid enough to add a wing to Dollywood. Good. Right. I, that's the only part of capitalism I like, is when Dolly Parton gets paid. Because yeah, then she goes around and uses that money to make a va- vaccine. So. Exactly. Right. <laughs> so uh, do we have the love guru to thank for that? Did she uh, stow it away? I'm Maybe. sure Mike Myers would want you to think that. <laughs> See, something good came from this. I swear. Uh, after the credits song finishes, as we get scene after scene as filled with much Indian jokes as we could get, Pitka welcomes his advisors Rajneesh and Dick Pants, played by John Oliver, with a spirited Marishka Hargitay, which is a joke that will totally not bury into the ground. Nope. We also find out that the main motivation for Pitka is that Deepak Chopra is more popular than him. So Dick Pants then tells Pitka that the Maple Leafs are offering him $2 million to fix Roanoke before the Stanley Cup Finals, and Oprah agreed to have him on her show if he is successful. We then cut to a flashback of Pitka and Deepak Chopra as children when they meet with their guru, Tugin Maputa. Get it? (laughs) Wait, no. Wait. What if I told you he's cross-eyed? Oh, no. And this scene features Mike Myers' head superimposed on a child's body for some fucking reason. And I hate it. I hate it so fucking much. More than anything else in this movie. I hate this fact. Uh, This scene illustrates that at a young age, Pitka did not have a large amount of self-love and prioritized others loving him. So the guru tells him that he must wear a chastity belt under under his clothes until he learns to love himself. And then there's a masturbation, masturbation joke about tugging my put and going cross-eyed because of jerking it. <laughs> then Pitka has a huge ashram in Los Angeles with a huge crowd of mostly white people. And Jessica Alba is there with the coach of the Maple Leafs, played by Vern Troyer. There's a whole bunch of play on words that sound a lot like the self-help bullshit that pretends to originate from India. But there's also a craven attempt to separate these idiots, idiot rich whites from their money, including merchandising and a casino night. And then we get a cavalcade of cameos. Jessica Simpson, Val Kilmer, and Mariska Hargitay shows up, which would have been the moment to put the joke to bed, but they don't. Dick Pants then introduces Pitka to Jessica Alba, and he ma- he imagines her- himself in a Bollywood romance with her. Then he snaps out of it and makes dated jokes at Vern Troyer's expense. I don't understand why he hates Vern Troyer so much in this movie. Or yeah, just like in general, right? Yeah. <laughs> like Anytime Vern Troyer was in an Austin Powers movie, there was always... A slew of uh, little people jokes. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just remembered something, and I take back the thing. I think one of the jokes I laughed at the most was in the post-credit scene when Vern Troyer makes the dry joke. Someone goes, "Raise the camera up a little bit. All I can see are butts." And he goes, "Now you know how it feels." Yes, that's the best joke in this movie. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's the best joke in this movie, and it wasn't written. Yeah, <laughs> in a blooper. <laughs> Yeah, it, the, I, I, I didn't understand the hatred, right? Because for one, he's supposed to be a love guru, and yeah. he kind of just goes around shitting on random people, especially Vern Troyer. Yeah, he specifically hates 
Vern Troyer. Yeah, yeah, he's got it out for him for some odd reason. Eventually, they make a deal for him to help help them out with Roanoke, and they're off on a private jet to Toronto. On the plane, Jane, which is apparently Jessica Alba's character's name, uh, fangirls over Pitka and says that she's read all of his books and his teachings helped her with when her father died and she admits to a schoolgirl crush for some reason. That That is so blatantly false. <laughs> that makes <laughs> and, no sense. Yeah. And she talks about how they say her family cursed the maple leaves when her father bought the team. So yeah. Pitka arrives. Oh, God. I was going to say, which that joke, the beginning of that joke is only for fans of hockey or the Maple Leafs because the fact that the year they bought the team was the last time they won the cup, you know, so that's why the whole curse happens. Um, So as bad as that joke is, it was even worse because you would need to know history um, that 90% of the audience would not know. Right. That was a joke for Mike Myers specifically because he's a Maple Leafs fan. And and also uh, another thing that they run into the ground, the fucking self-help books. Mm-hmm. There's a million of them. Yeah. And With all jokey each, titles. Yeah, and each one is worse than the last. Yep. I don't know. I I really wish that like all right, you want to do a couple, that's fine. But man, he he probably has like ten self help books, mm-hmm. and it, it, none of them land. Not a single one lands. Nope. Like we said, best joke of the movie is something that comes off the cuff from Vern Troyer in a blooper. Yeah. Oh, rest in peace. So Pitka arrives in Toronto and goes to the rink where Roanoke is practicing. Roanoke tells him that there's no connection between his playing and his love life. So Pitka lies and says Roanoke's wife wants to get back with him. And Roanoke starts playing well again. And then he tells him he lied and he immediately sucks once again. Uh, Pitka goes to the Cox house where Roanoke's ex-wife Prudence is staying in order to try and drop off a letter to her. But Lecoq comes home and then serenades Prudence with a Celine Dion song and a foot massage. Then he goes off to make her a Quebec pizza, which is Pop-Tarts and ketchup. Yes. <laughs> Meanwhile, Pitka runs into the guard rooster and he fights with it. And then he eventually bites the head off. And then he manages to give Prudence the letter. Then Lecoq comes back in and goes to see Pitka out. Then they get into a fight for some reason and Pitka throws a smoke bomb and leaves via elephant. And then later... Darren shows up at Pitka's new ashram in Toronto with an entourage, and Pitka tells him his plan for getting him over his problem. Uh, it spells out drama, and it's an acronym for something, but it starts with distraction, and then we get a flashback of Pitka playing a game of stink mop, which was basically people just hitting each other with mops full of urine. I don't know what that had to do with distraction, to be honest with you. No. And I'm not looking for an answer. If any of you, if either of you have a, what you think is an answer... I don't want to spend that much time on it. (laughs) Game one of the final starts, and Pitka tells Darren not to fight anyone during the game, so he plays for a while, getting his ass kicked, and then realizes that his hands are not shaking. And he starts playing well, unless you count the offsides penalty that was never called. (laughs) (laughs) Addy starts playing well until Rob Blake knocks him the fuck out. After Darren comes to, Pitka tells him that he can go fight anyone for any reason. So he goes and commits battery against Lacoste yeah. and gets a one game suspension. <laughs> also, I don't think that they would just label like they wouldn't hand down the suspension yeah. right no. then and there. They might they might hand down the arrest shortly after that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, because yeah, he, like he's literally bashing his head against the goalpost. Yep. And then he hits a puck at Vern Troyer and gets a second game suspension, and the Leafs lose. They wouldn't do that. That's that's the, like it, that would be like a fine 
from the team itself, right? I I mean the NHL would step in, but it's not the referee. It's not the ref's call. No. <laughs> yeah, the ref doesn't get to decide how many games you get suspended. <laughs> Uh, so Jane and Pitka have a meeting with the coach in his tiny office, and Jane puts her faith in Pitka's teaching. Man, I rolled my eyes so hard. The, the only at, fun thing, and so far I realized the two most fun things from this movie both involve Fern Troyer, is that he actually took some of this furniture home and used it in his house. <laughs> Good for him. Uh, that's pretty cool. Down, like, down to earth, like, gets it. Like, yeah, yeah, this furniture's perfect for me. I know it was made for a joke, but... Makes me yeah. more comfortable. Joke's on you, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> right. shit home. Yeah, I just got free furniture. <laughs> the next step in Pitka's plan is that Darren needs to regress and go back to his childhood. So they go visit Darren's mom, who was a choir singer at the church. As soon as they meet up with her, Darren's hands start shaking again. So he says he can't really stand up to his mom. So they go to a bar and regress by getting drunk. On the TV, they see that the Leafs have lost game two. So then they get in a bar fight with Daniel Tosh and Rob Hubel. And the bar erupts into a full-on brawl. Later, after that, Jane is invited to Pitka's, and he serenades her with a rendition of More Than Words, which is a song about showing you love me by fucking me. Um, They have dinner, and they go in for a kiss, but then he can't go further because of the chastity belt, so he reneges her. Then the Leafs lose a third game, and the coach berates everyone and punches Pitka in the dick, even though Pitka has a chastity belt, which we just reestablished in the previous scene, but he reacts like he just got punched in the dick for real. Yeah. The the only one that actually sells the scene for the way it is, again, is Vern Troyer sort of shakes his hand a bit <laughs> after the punch. That's what everybody else completely forgets about the chastity belt in this scene. Then Dick Pants tells Pitka that he has to hurry up with the process or else he'll get replaced by Deepak Chopra on Oprah. So at a King's Victory party, Pitka uses an appearance by Celine Dion to distract the cock and he sidles up to Prudence while she's alone and arranges a meeting with Darren as his, at his ashram. The ashram, Prudence, and Darren get back together, and the Leafs win the next three games. So then Dick Pants books Pitka on Oprah, and the assumption is that Darren is cured, so Pitka heads to the airport. But somehow, Lecoq figures out how to get Darren's mom to sing the national anthem. So then, this is where my notes end, so I'm going to go off the top of my head. Darren gets freaked out again by his mom, so they have to call Pitka at the airport and Pitka stops he does he decides that he doesn't need to go to Oprah and he's going to help Darren out because he took the he took a shortcut in solving his problem so he wasn't really cured so he heads back you uh I know it's on your notes but you missed a terrible um Indian guy is the uh uh call center person for computer problems joke sure they make on the airport Rajneesh yeah took a second job yeah So he goes back and he talks uh, he talks Darren into standing up for himself for his with his mom. And he does. So then he's able to go back out on the ice and he plays well again. Right. Yeah. Um, and then at the end, it's tied up and he, yeah. he scores a goal with eight seconds left to tie up. And then he's about to almost score as the time is expiring. And then yeah. Rob Blake gives uh, trips him so he gets a penalty shot with one second left um and then right before he does the penalty shot lecoq comes up to him and psychs him out by saying basically insinuating that his ex-wife current wife uh took one look at his dick because he's got a big dick everybody and said damn 
Because that was what she said to him once when they kissed for the first time yeah. or some stupid bullshit like that. So <laughs> he gets freaked out again and Pitka has to do something to distract him. So oh god, he gets two elephants, goes, oh yeah, this entire movie he rides an elephant. So that's how he got one elephant. I don't know how where the second elephant came. Uh, the uh, the zoo was in town. Not the zoo, the circus. The, the circus. Okay. So then he brings out both elephants onto the ice, and they fuck. <laughs> they do. Yeah. They and certainly that, do. That distracts Darren enough to do get the penalty shot, and he scores the goal, and everybody's happy because he wins because he doesn't go through the five hole. Which I guess Lecoq, because he's got a big cock, has a short five hole. Yeah, that was... Um, <laughs> and they celebrate, and then Pitka goes back home to Heron Ma- Anus or whatever it was called. McKeister. Heron McKeister. <laughs> and they have a Bollywood-type fi- finale as they sing Steve Miller Band's... Uh, Joker. 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 Mm-hmm. For no reason. Ruined a few good songs in this movie. And yeah. I 100% think, and just because of the way I think Mike Myers wrote this movie, that he 100% named the character Maurice. So that he oh. could make the joke in this yep. song at the very end. Yep. Yeah, because he, he goes by Pitka the entire rest of the movie, yeah. but except for a couple of times when they call him Maurice. Just so you could say, some people call me Maurice. Definitely. That's the, when I watched this till first time, that's what I was thinking. I was like, yeah, he worked backwards on that one. Yeah, um, the only other thing you missed in your notes there was the worst callback to anything that I've seen is the way he scores the first goal is by shooting the puck in the air. Like, Pickett had thrown the bottle in the air in the bar fight mm. to sort of distract the people. Right, and I'm, yes. I'm like, yeah, that would never, nope. you know work in both situations yeah um and that's the end that's the end yeah. of this fucking movie we got through that quick we got the. Yeah, was, <laughs> hey, you, that's the you had part. no you had no intentions of dragging this one out no. nope uh <laughs> mark mark's trying to like get a word in like and then this happens and this happens <laughs> all right we'll get to it and this happens yeah the only thing i'm glad i got to mention was the the goof from Vern Troyer because I think that was actually a legitimately good joke as we've all pointed out. Yep. Man. I hated this movie. (laughs) Yeah. It It was really bad. It's none of the jokes had potential, I think, which kind of makes me angry. Yeah. Because sometimes like even in a bad movie, it'll be like, oh man, like if they had just done this one joke this way, or maybe done this kind of joke, it could have been really funny, but nope. They just, uh, yeah, none of those none of those jokes from beginning to end, from concept to to from concept to film, none of those worked. Nope. Uh, oof, it was this was tough sledding, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't get through it a second time. Uh, obviously, <laughs> I, I debated watching it again today just so I could be like, all right, I want to be sharp on this one. Mm-hmm. I want to be sharp because I, you know, I, I want to make it look. Like I, I really paid attention and I, I turned it off at the, like when they start doing the Bollywood dancing, Yeah. I was like, okay, I've suffered this enough. Um, yeah. Again, I just, I don't know. I think if you just kind of drop the whole, uh, Pitka and Jane romance, it doesn't make the movie better, but 
I, I feel like it just it, that didn't belong, mm-hmm. right? The whole point is that he's he's a love guru who's supposed to help others. I think yeah. that you just stick with that. He's trying to help this guy because it's it's never really pressed upon that like okay yeah you have to learn to love yourself. He does nothing throughout the movie mm-hmm. that would indicate that he's learned self love. It's he makes fun of a a midget. Yeah. What? Yeah. There's there is no arc for him at all. No. Um, yeah. So you're right. The Love in, the love thing, the romance angle of it doesn't work. I would have loved to see, not that it makes this movie better. There's nothing that can make this movie better. Throw it in the trash, it's it's better. That's about yeah. it. But if the if the owner was played by like a Jane Lynch type, okay. so there's no romance involved, and she's just like a hard ass. Sure. I think that you could probably get some laughs out of that. I like Jane Lynch, and I think that was around the time when Jane Lynch was like everyone loved Jane. Yeah. It was right around the time when uh, Glee started, right, I think? Yeah, like Role Models was around that time. Yeah. Right, maybe a year earlier, I think, Role Models came out. Yeah, maybe. She was in uh, 40-Year-Old Virgin. So, yeah, she was on a roll. I think, yeah, if you put Jane Lynch in that... Yeah, cause I don't understand what the joke is for Vern Troyer being there. Why but, it's why he's a, a little person as a head coach? yeah. Like, what's I, the joke there? I 100% think it's Mike Myers when Vern Troyer in this movie, and what is the funniest role for him to have in this movie? And it would be to be the hockey coach, so they could have that scene where they go into the little office. <laughs> that is the oh, whole man. thought process for why Vern Troyer's character. Yeah. I hated that scene so much. We skipped over where he, where Vern Troyer fakes a heart attack to, to yeah. buy some time. Now, what's the joke there? I don't know. He, he also gets they, shot like a puck into the net at one point too. Yeah, he's he, a uh, bunch of shit. So this a lot of a lot of my plot and Mark, I'll let you talk. A lot of the plot that I wrote down skipped over all the shitty jokes that did not land. Yeah, basically. Yeah, essentially to answer Dan's question, the heart attack was because they needed to distract the referee so that it could give more time for Pinkett to get. Roanoke back on the ice. Oh, like I like I get the joke within the context of the movie, but like, what's the actual like? Was there a meaning for it, like outside? Like because he mentions like I I swear I swear I would never do this. So I was like, does are little people like more prone to heart attacks or something? Like I don't understand that part what I, the point I, was. I think it was just like oh this is such a cliche. This is like the only thing I can think of for uh oh. To stall. Okay. Because, yeah, I, I didn't quite understand what he was so upset about doing it. Yeah, right? I don't know why. I, I don't know, man. I, I was very... Again, you, you see someone that you like. Yeah. It, it's almost like, remember that guy in high school who was, like, super cool and super fun to be around, and he just never left high school. <laughs> and you come back for your 10-year... Uh, uh, your uh, what, what is it? The the ten year like anniversary or whatever reunion. The reunion and like man, I can't I can't wait to see Bill. Man, that guy was so much fun. I hope he's doing all right. And Bill just never left high school, and he's just doing the same old jokes and like oh shit, like Bill's kind of you know Bill's kind of shitty. <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad I don't hang out with Bill anymore. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh. I wouldn't mind seeing uh, I wouldn't mind seeing Myers come back in some form, but I don't want him to rehash characters. Mm-hmm. I, I I think if he he's had enough time away 
or if he came back and kind of did other things like you know like you were saying like little bit parts like, i enjoyed him in bohemian rhapsody like, that was fun sure. he didn't he didn't have like you, you get the you get the joke no one's gonna like bohemian rhapsody mm-hmm. duh oh they do a joke here too in this movie yes they, so they do do that i when he's in the car with uh the the hockey player right yeah yeah they turn on bohemian rhapsody uh, and he even looks at the camera yep yeah that, that this movie was full of that mm-hmm. like really breaking the fourth wall uh and it's just it's again it doesn't land it, yeah. it's not it's not ne- like authentic enough sure also i don't think romani melko has ever listened to like hip-hop or anything I because because he when he's in the car listening to it he's really reacting to it like no one in their right mind would when they're in the car she's like <laughs> yeah Oh yeah, he's bouncing <laughs> yeah. his seat like he's about ready to like lift off. That's a good point. I don't think anyone <laughs> like, reacts to to hip hop music or rap music like that, right? It was very uncomfortable for me. I did mm-hmm. not like it. And this kind of killed his career too. Oh yeah, right. I mean, because he had that really good that role in Forty Year Old Virgin. Yep. Uh, he was very funny, and then like it, it seemed like he was poised to kind of break out a little bit. And yeah, it just, he, it never came. He was on Weeds for a while. Remember Weeds, guys? I do remember Weeds. That, that, I think, right? HBO, right? Showtime. Showtime. Yeah. Shit. All right, I don't remember Weeds. <laughs> uh, yeah, he, he kind of, and then he kind of just like bounced around a little bit, I think, right? He had some bit parts here and there. I, those are like the only credits I could give you in terms yeah. of that. It's sad because he, he had some funny, funny moments in 40 Year Old Virgin. I like, I liked his character. Uh, man, yeah, I don't know what else there is to really say. Just uh, uh I hated Justin Timberlake. <laughs> That's what we I could end on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you guys want to plug your shit? Sure. Uh, uh, at Diaquino 122 is my personal Twitter. I will be tagging Justin Timberlake when we upload this. I'm, I'm gonna come after him. I want to see what happens. Uh, also, we have a real play D and D podcast that we do uh we stream it and we uh i don't know where i was going with that i'm sorry you could cut that uh real play DD podcast stranger damies uh at stranger damies on twitter uh check there to see when we're streaming and when new episodes drop and if you want to talk to us feel free yeah so as dan mentioned uh stranger damies airs every wednesday a new episode just dropped yesterday um so be sure to check it out anywhere you get your podcast um, and then we have the Game Vault Pod, um, which is our gaming podcast that airs every other Monday. We just had an episode drop this Monday, if you're listening to this when it first goes up. Um, and the two of them combined, because we stream our sessions for Stranger Damies over at twitch.tv slash Pod, uh, where we also uh, stream video games uh, five nights a week. Uh, Wednesday, we do multiplayer shooters. Right now, we're doing Apex um, uh, Legends. Um, Thursdays are my streams. It's, uh, right now I'm currently playing through Paper Mario, um, for the Nintendo 64. Um, Friday alternates for when we do our Stranger Damies section, and the days we don't do it are off days for streaming. Um, Saturday I'm playing through Mass Effect. I'm playing a, uh, dumb renegade character. Um, so if you want to see all the worst choices be made in that game, um, feel free to watch that stream. Um, and then Sunday is, a uh, uh, Dan of the Wild. Dan here plays Breath of the Wild. 
Um, and then Monday is uh, Tom's Retro Night, where we play through our Retro Roulette game that we uh, pick on the podcast. And then on the on the alternating weeks, uh, Tom plays through an old RPG. Right now, we're uh, finishing up Suikoden, um, and we'll probably be moving on to something else shortly. Um, so that is about it. And um, for Game Vault Pod, you can find it everywhere on all socials at Game Vault Pod. So feel free to like, subscribe, and review. Okay, great. And we are They Called This Movie. You can find us on Spreaker or wherever you get your podcasts just by searching They Called This Movie. We're the main daily.com. It's the main website where we post all articles and podcast episodes. That's the main daily.com. And on all socials, search the main daily and we will pop right up. So that's Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search the main daily. We're also a proud member of Geek Fives Nation. Find them at gbnation.com and on all socials and podcast streaming apps just by searching Geek Fives Nation. Tons of great shows. If you're into geek stuff, there's surely a show for you. We're also on TikTok. They Call This Movie has their own TikTok. So to go check out They Call This Movie on TikTok and watch our videos that are on there. Um, the main daily at gmail.com is our uh, gmail account if you have any questions comments you are from the isle of man and you want to tell us that you exist just hit us up at the main at gmail.com uh, give us some movie recommendations so we could avoid dan's next pick which will surely be violent one uh, that's gonna wrap it up this week this week the director of the love guru is marco schnabel so for dan aquino and mark myers this is anthony lavecchio telling marco schnabel well You certainly made a movie, didn't you? Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.